You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Hannah's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 131. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good news for you. No ads this week. I'm going to go straight through. we got two interviews for you this week. First up, you saw him on Rachel's season. He was on Bachelor in Paradise season four, the season that shut down. He came in after the shutdown. The Tickle Monster, Jonathan Treese. Don't think we don't talk about his tickling antics and how weird they were. Um... <laughs> Yeah, the Tickle Monster, Dr. Jonathan Trees. Don't forget, he's a doctor. And then, since we haven't talked Survivor all season long, I bring on Stephen Fishback, who is a former Survivor player, two-time Survivor player. He got to the finals of Token Chains and lost to JT. Got really far in Survivor Cambodia Second Chance. I don't remember what place he got. Uh, he's got his own podcast, The Know-It-Alls. You know him. You love him. He's going to be our resident Survivor expert. You know how I said last time I had Charlene on? She's going to come on the week after the finale or the week of the finale every season for Bachelor and Bachelorette, so twice a year. I'm thinking that way with Steven because he's so good at talking about this show. And even if you disagree with his points, the way he presents them and how he backs it up factually and can compare it to other seasons, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. So good on him. Love having Steven as a guest, so that's why I brought him on. I hadn't spoken about Edge of Extinction all season long, so I figured – why not wrap it up now and a good 30, 40 minutes with Steven talking about Edge of Extinction. Very controversial, we know. Very polarizing. The fact that somebody won who was out of the game for 28 days. Then we talk a little bit about season 39 coming up in the fall, which is Island of the Idols with Rob and Sandra coming back, even though they're not competing as far as we know. And then the rumors out there about a season 40 and possibly all winners. So, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit as well. So uh, let's get started, though. we got no ads, so we got nothing to touch on. Let's, br- let's bring him up. It is, um, first guy up is Dr. Jonathan Treese, the Tickle Monster from Rachel's Season. Here we go with podcast number 131. Okay, let's bring in our guest. Um, you saw him first on Rachel's Season of The Bachelorette, and then on Season 4 of Bachelor in Paradise. It is the Tickle Monster, Jonathan Treese. Jonathan, how are you? I'm awesome, Steve. Good talking to you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, I think you are the first guy from Rachel's season that I've had on the podcast, I think, without going over all the names here. Hold on. I've got the Wikipedia page pulled up. Yeah. Oh, well, no, no, no. What am I talking about? I had Josiah and Kenny on. That's right. My bad. Okay. <laughs> Let's say, I have to say, I'm not usually the instigator, but, but I can be. If, 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 if I have to step up, I can. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I've had Jonathan or Josiah and Kenny. Uh, nobody else from the season on, I don't think. No. Um, okay. So let's start at the beginning with you and how you even got yourself involved in this franchise. Had you watched Rachel on Nick's season and that's when you applied or did someone else apply for you? How did it work for you? Uh, you know, this, this started for me a while back was, you know, I always had girls and friends and they'd be like, Oh, you should go on that show. People tell me you should go. And then finally one night, you know, we got together and just put together an application. And next thing you know, you get a call back and the next thing you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, is this for real? 
so so yeah it just kind of was one of those things finally just thought why not and then next thing you know it's it's am i doing this were you a frequent were you a frequent watcher of the show um not frequent i wouldn't say that i kept up with every episode but yeah i've I've seen the franchise i've kind of i'm familiar with the show and you know i have friends that throw parties and all that stuff so um i'd actually watched um since i knew i was interested in applying and all that um, I have watched Rachel's or not Rachel Nick's season, so I had seen Rachel. Um, she was one of the people I thought. I wonder if she's going to be, um, you know, she's going to be the Bachelorette. Was there, was it between her and somebody else in your mind? Were you looking at, well, like, well, maybe if Raven doesn't win or somebody else from that season, or were you pretty much set like I, I'd like it to be Rachel? Well, interestingly, um, I'm from Arkansas, and so is Raven. We're actually from two small towns in Arkansas, like That's 30 right. minutes away. That's right. So everyone, everyone I know is like, "Oh my gosh, are you gonna? You, know, you and Raven should you and Raven." And it's like people that don't know her, people don't know me, just because we're from this small town in Arkansas. Everyone's like, "Y'all should date." And it's like, well, um, you know, partly why I'm ending up on the show is because try maybe been dating the same kind of people and same kind of uh, people from back home, and it just wasn't working out, but. Um, there, there was no one else specific besides um, Rachel or, or Raven that I was kind of thinking it might be. That's right. Now that you bring that up, I remember when I was, you know, being told some of the guys that were on the show and coming across you and I can't even remember who told me you were on the show. But when I saw it and then I saw, oh, his hometown. What, what was the? What's your hometown that you're from? Uh, Paragould, Arkansas. Okay. And yeah. And, that, <laughs> yeah. and I was yeah. like. Well, if, and, and at the time, we didn't know. We thought it possibly could be Raven still, and we're like, oh, wow. I mean, this would be right up her alley, just another small-town Arkansas guy. And you ended up being on Paradise with Raven when she was there, but obviously nothing. She was already with Adam, I think, at that point, but you, by the time you had arrived, so that should Yeah, it was. Um, I, I was curious. Whenever I went to Paradise, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of, kind of curious about her and um you know everyone was like you should and i was just kind of like i don't know you know just trying to be like I'm, i don't want to just talk to somebody just because they're from where i'm from and then i got there and i was like oh she's actually a pretty cool girl nothing yeah. against her you know i just like oh she has really cool and it's like oh but she's with someone else oh okay <laughs> anyway um nice to meet you yeah well there are our, our time together is short-lived sorry raven no i'm sorry sorry we yeah. couldn't make the arkansas connection here but uh yeah you're with you're with Adam. Oh, well. Um, when yeah, That's kind of how that works. It's like you just, well, moving on. Who else is here? <laughs> when you when you were going through the process of being cast on Rachel's season and then you finally knew it was, was Rachel, because they announced her, I remember they announced Rachel a couple weeks before um, Nick's finale actually aired. Like, we knew Rachel was the Bachelorette before she had been eliminated, I believe, from Nick's season. Um, I think they, they went that route with her because they wanted to you know, get some guys cast. What were your, I don't know, what were your expectations going in? And what were, you know, your handler or producer telling you heading into it? Like, we really think this is a good match or, or were they just like, can't wait to have you on. Let's see what happens. Well, I I think if, you know, Rachel, one of the things she wanted was she was like, I want a guy who's got his, his shit together. She's like someone who's, you know, she's done playing games with kids. And so that was kind of, you know, for me, a thing that I run into, it's like, you know, I need to date someone professional. Like I'm looking for someone who's like-minded, goal-setted, you know? And so that was like, that was Rachel. Like she's this girl who's got her act together. She's gone to law school. She's, she's a professional like me. And so, yeah, she's a beautiful girl with a professional. So of course it was someone that you're like, yeah, I'd love to meet this girl. 
Um, and that's kind of how it was for me. I, I never thought, like, I'm realistic that, you know, it's, you're meeting these people for the first time. What are the chances that we are sparks? Um, it does happen. I believe it can. But I went in realistic, just kind of saying, open-minded. Let's meet this person. If I like them, we'll move forward. Um, if it doesn't work out, you know, at least you gave it a chance. And just that's kind of my philosophy on life. I'm just kind of a realist. I, I try not to get myself too too overworked up, too excited to be let down later on. Well, when you arrived on the first night, you obviously had one of the more memorable <laughs> limo entrances ever in the history of this show. Where Who would have known? You, you told Rachel to, I think, close her eyes, and then you tickled her. <laughs> that I did. I, I mean, it, it really is. I, I never dreamed something so small as just a j- little, little joke like that would become, you know, to this level where people are still seeing me today and calling me Pickle Monster. But, yeah, the, Rachel said, I was like, okay, I have to do something special. What does she want? And it's like she said she wants a guy that's going to make her laugh. Well, what's the easiest way to make someone laugh? I mean, the real answer is probably tell them a joke, yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little quirky, a little goofy. And I was like, well, you tickle them. Duh. It's easy. You know, people laugh and you tickle them. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I can do that. And then it's like, well, what else am I going to do? I'm going to wrap a stethoscope around my neck and walk in with a white coat, like the 20 other doctors that have been on the show before <laughs> me. So I just kind of went out on a limb and was like, you know, if, if she, uh, she laughs, she laughs. If not, I gave it a chance. <laughs> And if I remember correctly, she didn't. She wasn't. She didn't like it that much, right? She wasn't too <sighs> thrilled about the tickling. I I mean, she laughed when I did it, and I'm not really sure. You know, was was she really into it, or was she just being polite and yeah. cordial to me? You know, I'll, I'll never really know. But but I at least it's it seemed at the time okay. I guess when- it, it was definitely a mixed reaction. I, I've I've gotten people love it, think it's hilarious, funniest thing ever, to people think it's the creepiest thing um, ever. Yeah, invasion of privacy, like you don't do that to a woman and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, I I see, I could see both sides. I guess it all depends on the person. Like, are they? You know, it just you could be doing it to the wrong person. And maybe Rachel wasn't the person that wanted to be touched like that, as opposed to maybe someone else. Uh, I don't know. But on that first night. There were a few characters, most notably Waboom. What, what did you, <laughs> when he's just Wabooming all around the place uh, that first night, what did you think about that? I, I thought it was a joke. I really thought I was, you know, I'm, I'm going on this quote, reality TV show and I'm like, this guy's a paid actor. <laughs> I, I really did. I'm looking around like, is this for real? And I'm thinking in my head, this guy's a paid actor. And then obviously he's not. I get to know him and I know Lucas now, but I'm still just like, what were you thinking? And I still have no idea. That's just that's just who he is. And that's just his persona. Just like, um, you know, we, you and I have our personalities and you're not going to change. it. Yeah, he's it was weird because, you know, come to find out him and Blake had been on a reality show together before they had shared a woman before at one point or one of them dated the ex after or Blake's ex currently or lived with or Waboom's ex currently lived with Blake. It was something along those lines, which obviously put those two at just headbutting from the get go. Did you know any of that in the mansion? Did it ever get out that those two had been on a reality show before or you didn't find that out till later, like when you were done and you got to know them? 
Um, no, I mean, I never found out until everyone else found out. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm clueless kid from Arkansas. Um, you know, I'm not saying that people in the LA scene that came on the show may or may not have known. Uh, I really don't, but I'm just saying I can't, I literally, when I came onto the show, the person I kind of, you know, become a little more confident and commu- communicate better now than I used to was this shy kind of reserved, quiet kid from, um, just family doctor from Arkansas. So I'm taking all this in, like what is just kind of that and everything like what's going on. Yeah. It, it was a lot for me. It really was a lot for me. Yeah. It seems like it. It just seems like you're a small town guy who no aspirations of fame and fortune and acting in LA and doing all this stuff that a lot of the contestants do post-show and you just were a little, little overwhelmed and just completely caught off guard. Who did you pair up with? Not pair up with, but who did you become friends with? You remember the first night who you kind of latched on to or kind of buddied up with right away? Uh, yeah, I kind of talked to Jack Stone, uh, kind of, you know, we're both professionals and kind of copied him quite a bit. Adam, some, uh, Diggy, uh, you know, everybody gets along with Diggy. He's such a cool guy. Uh, there are a lot of people. Yeah. I didn't really, there wasn't one person that I was like, did we just become best friends? Uh, I know that happened for some people, you know, a few of the guys who um, developed man crushes, I think, but there wasn't anyone I really fell in love with us. When the date started, I don't remember which one you were on, on that second episode. Were you on the obstacle course date or were you on the basketball date? Uh, I went on the, the baby changing date. Okay. So you were on the obstacle course one with Ashton and Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I was on that day. So, the, the picnic day, we did a barbecue. That was that was the very first group date. Yeah, and they had the obstacle course where you had to change diapers mm-hmm. and you, you had to wear the baby Bjorn and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to work a baby Bjorn. That was, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I deal with, I see babies as patients, so I crush the diaper in two seconds, you know, vacuum the floor, but I got to baby Bjorn and I was like, oh my gosh, it's the most complex plex backpack i've ever seen in my life and just choked <laughs> did you is that when you went out during that race was that where you got eliminated yes. was the baby yeah it is. i stopped there so <laughs> i never made it to, to get the ring or to set the table I, I didn't even get to eat dinner so they waboom ends up winning this thing and after seeing him the first night and his antics and then seeing him win this thing I, i'm sure there had to have been some skepticism in your mind of no way this guy is doing well or succeeding in this show. He just seems like a clown. Like he's, I can't believe he won. Was that your thoughts or were you like, Hey, good for him. Well, boom, I, I actually, you know, I was talking to one of the producers before and I was like, you know what? Um, you know, who might surprise us and win this thing? Well, boom. I mean, he, if you talk, have you ever met him? You ever talked no, to him? No. He's, he's a sharp guy. He is. He's an intelligent guy. And I was just around him enough to know. And you can tell when someone wants something, what they'll do to get it. And he's just that guy. Like he wanted to win that people underestimated him and he, he surprised them. Yeah. So I, 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 at first I was like, there's no way. And then I was like, wait, this guy like has, you know, he's like nothing to lose. So he, yeah, he did it. I was pleasantly surprised. So you weren't part of the basketball group day. Cause Peter gets a one-on-one there. Actually, let me ask no, you. No, I, I missed the I missed the drama that day. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this: Was there an early favorite in your mind? Just going off night one, when you were just scoping out everybody 
that first night and having conversations with a bunch of different people, was there anybody who you immediately thought this guy is either going to win or this guy's definitely making it to the end or very far? I mean, Brian, it's pretty evident to me from the start. It was okay. Just meeting him, I'm like, this guy's going to do well here. He's he's just just a smart guy, charming, you know, just he's good looking guy. He's just I was like, hmm, this guy probably do really well in the show. Yeah, and he did. And then he got yeah, the yeah. first impression, Rose. And you're probably like, yeah. So obviously my intuition is right. This guy is probably going far. She's into him. Um, I was like, this guy's probably watched every season, every episode of this show. <laughs> Well, he did. He did seem to have a lot of lines that I mean, I, when the show was airing, you know, hearing from social media or whatever, a lot of people thought that his lines were very well rehearsed and he knew exactly, you know, the right words to say and the right things to say. And he just came across as almost too polished. And that was the criticism for Brian pretty much all season. Like he was almost too good to be true for her. And she fell for him right away. And everyone was like, well, it seems like no one else had a chance, maybe outside of Peter. But. Yeah, that was the that was the knock on Brian. Was he seemed too polished and too rehearsed? Did you ever get that impression of him? Sometimes I, I kind of got that impression a little bit. I was like, man, he knows everything right to say. And then I think part of it is that he's a very confident guy. Yeah, he, he really is. He's just uh, he's just a guy that whenever he knows he wants something to, he's he's just he's good with words. And so it's just he fits it. whether or not he did, he, he's good at good at that role. He's, when we were talking about the second group date in that in that first episode, which was the basketball group date, and you know Demario's girlfriend comes on and she gets confronted, and you know basically Rachel tells him you're done. Um, what? Obviously, you weren't on that date, but once they came back from the date, how was it presented to you? And were you? And then Demario came back, I believe, later on that night, walked up the driveway to, to talk to her, and she basically. Didn't she say, I don't want to talk to you? Or she did talk to him, but she still said, you know, look, you're not being honest with me. I'm, I'm sending you home. What was your thought when you saw all that go down with DeMario? Hey, I'm thinking there's no way this girl's going to give this guy a chance, yeah. like second chance. She's way too, you know, she's sharp girl like we talked before. There's no way this guy, this girl's giving a guy a chance. And, and like she said, she wasn't. She just went down there basically – you know, I feel like I I should just tell you myself. That's the person I am. So here's the deal. You're not coming back. Peace. Yeah. And then just like, whoa, that was bold. And, you know, that is. That was a props to her for that. Were all the guys pretty happy with that? Where they were like, oh, cool. Because if she would have let him back in, I'm guessing that probably would have pissed off some guys. Oh, of course. Now you're now there's more competition. Yeah. So, and no yeah. one likes losing. You, you got to really cool i'm almost positive you were on the ellen degeneres group date correct oh yeah that must have been quite an experience and that was actually something that got released as it was filming we as the audience got to see and it was pretty much our first look at you even though it was really quick i can't remember what you said or did but i just remember you being on it and you guys had to go out into the audience right and dance and get money from people that was we did, yeah, I, I did. Um, my parents saw that episode actually, and then I I realized that after I'd done it, I was like, my family's going to see this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it? Do you remember how much money you were able to uh, raise when you went out in the audience dancing shirtless for women? 
Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much money I raised, but it was it was a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Those those ladies had some big bills. I think I had several twenties. And actually, when I got back there, I realized I had money in places I, I really didn't even realize it. So I was like, man, I might have actually, if I dug a little deeper, found found enough money to have made my way to that last little competition they did. But it, it's all good. And who and, who, um, were, who were the two that made it to the final competition? Alex was the one that won. I'm trying to remember who else. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head who he was competing against, but you know, some quiz quiz questions about Rachel. And that's right. It was a never. Ha- you guys played Never Have I Ever, or they played Never Have I Ever, something like that. Yeah, we played that and a few other games. And um, yeah, the Ellen Show was awesome. I I was actually like, I couldn't believe it. Um, she actually tickled me, and I was like, I, she got me at my own game. I was like, I can't. <laughs> Because everyone's asking me, well, did you tickle Ellen? Are you going to tickle her? That's what everyone's asking. Are you going to tickle Ellen? I literally walk on the set and she tickles me. I'm like, I've lost. She's beat me at my own game. (laughs) Well, now that it played out and the second date, group date of that episode was the mud wrestling um, with eight of the guys in front of Rachel's friends, Alexis and Jasmine and I think Mm -hmm. Corinne and Raven. I'm guessing that you are happy that you got the Ellen date and didn't have to do the mud wrestle date. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One, I would have got my butt kicked in that mud wrestling. I'm kind of a tall, thin guy. Probably would have snapped. Somebody would have snapped me in half, but. Um, Especially if you yeah, had to go just, up against Kenny, you would have been. Yeah. <sighs> Kenny's a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so, so I was happy with my date and then, and yeah, just getting kind of pimped by all her, her friends and I felt like you know little opportunity for baiting there as well for sure you know kind of bait those guys into following following for one of the other girls yeah so so yeah that was a tough date yeah uh only I can imagine and you actually did end up getting to travel episode four you guys went to uh, Hilton Head South Carolina and you were part of that Mm -hmm. and I guess the biggest thing that happened during the Hilton Head date was when everything got built up with with Kenny and Lee. And I've had Kenny on the podcast a while back, and he talked about it, but he was the one directly involved, so he's going to have a different perspective. What For was sure. What was your situation with Lee? Did you, did you sense anything was off with him, or you, did you find him to be a racist? Yeah, the, the, or what, what was your deal with him? I, th- I think that this was one of those uh, somebody wants to get the last word in. You know, whenever someone says, you just want to get the last word in, they're like, no, I don't. And then there they do. And that's just kind of what what started as this simple little thing, you know, bickering over girls became just like you think something blown way out of proportion. Um, Just then became like a battle. No one's going to back down. I'm better than you. Just all this. I I don't think that there was really ever a direct racial problem involved. I think maybe some other it it just kind of got turned that way. and. So you never had an issue with Lee. You never heard him say anything along those lines. I didn't have any personal problems with Lee. Um, I think Lee at times probably should have said less and things would have been better. You know, kind of going back to, you know, someone says something, it's like, okay, let it go. That's the last word. And then your friend turns around to try to mouth off to them. That's kind of what, what was happening. And, and yeah, I did see a problem with that. I was, I, I looked at both of them. I was like, guys, I went to each of them. I'm like, I'm, I'm neutral here. I'm not, I'm just telling you like, here's how you're perceived. Here's how you're perceived. 
and you better you better cool it. And it was but, a, and it was a lot of interrupting. That was their thing. It was just Kenny and you know Rachel and Kenny having one on one time, and and Lee yeah, interrupts just, them. Just, we know how we know how interrupting works on this show. I mean, it was, but it just seemed like it was just more fuel, adding more fuel to the fire there. It was immature, and I think yeah. that's what she finally realized. She was like, "Wait, this is childish." Yeah. Um, I I think. You know, for South Carolina, obviously there's two one-on-ones and with the group date. That was, you guys got to go on the boat, you got to do a little booze cruise, and then you got to participate in a spelling bee. Do, do, do you remember oh, yeah. what the words you got were? Because we saw a very, very edited version of, how you know, guys spelling words and whatnot. I don't know how many rounds this thing went. I can't remember who won. I think it was... Did Brian win? Josiah. Oh, Josiah did. That's oh, that's right, because he was holding up his trophy and. Oh yeah, he was he was very proud of that trophy. (laughs) he let everyone know, including me. So I was like, I was like, yeah, it is a nice trophy. Um, but props to him, he did win. I mean, he. I I I don't remember any of the words I got. I could barely. I I was so nervous up there because all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I'm in front of a bunch of strangers. spelling words that I should know, but you're so nervous because uh, all I'm thinking about is the state and the show. And, and yeah, you're, you're just fumbling over your words. People are missing words. They should. So you um, didn't, you didn't but, go out like first round. You did actually get some right. Right. Oh yeah. I, I, I couldn't go out the first round. It was like, I'll never live this down. That, that's kind of like whenever you think there's no way I'm going home on the first night on this show. Right. Yeah. That's what every guy's thinking, but it happens to somebody. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's something I talk about a lot, especially with former contestants. And I've had some people who've got eliminated night one on the podcast. And I'm like, look, when they're prepping you to come on the show, I mean, it's just it's a simple concept, but maybe people don't grasp it. No matter what, no matter what your producer is telling you about how they think you're going to do, and we think you're a great match. And I'm sure they're pumping up every contestant because they want you to be excited to go on. But the fact of the matter is, seven or eight of you are getting lied to, and probably going and and are going home on the first night. It's just. It's just a numbers game. They're going to be eliminations on the first night. And I've always wondered to the people that I have talked to who've been eliminated on the first night, I've asked them, like, what were they telling you going in? And they were like, oh, yeah, they were pumping me up and they thought I was going to go far. And they were telling me, like, we could totally start planning a hometown and stuff like that. And, you know, boom, gone the first night. And I think it's just producers know. I mean, they have an idea. They they know they can't they keep the lead's not going to keep 30 people, you know, the first night. They got to eliminate somebody. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's kind of an interesting concept. That yeah, I, I mean, I never felt misled. I, I maybe that's just me being like realistic. I'm I'm like we're gonna get thirty seconds to see this girl, talk to her. You know, it's more than that. But yeah. in my head, in my head, like it's it's a flash, and then she's gonna decide who she wants to be with for the rest of her life after this. And like, oh my gosh, and and yeah, you're literally clueless. I saw the episode the other night, and one of the guys said that it was the most nerve wracking night of his life because he literally had felt like he had no idea what she would be making her decision on how, why, or if he was going to make it. And I was like, wow, it's actually kind of true. You just feel like completely out of control on that first night. Yeah. That first night is tough because again, not everybody gets time and some people literally get one or two minutes. So it's strictly like, I mean, either she's attracted to me or not. Because what else she can, if we had a one minute conversation, what else can she base it on with me? Just basically my physical appearance. There's really no other way. Like that first night is essentially just looks. 
Yes, I mean, unless the, you got a significant entry from the limo. Yeah, unless you, unless you just got a significant amount of time with her, and that just that doesn't really happen, you know, just doesn't. Um, so going into the South Carolina rose ceremony, did you think you were in trouble? Were you thinking this is probably it for me, or did you think you were going to make it through that one? Yeah, I was in, in my mind. I was going home. I, mm. it, you, you just. I kept seeing the way Rachel looked at other guys, and we just didn't have that. You, you know how you know when you know. Like, yeah, I'd see her, we'd talk. It was fine. It was friendly, conversive, but we never really that spark. Just I don't think ever really happened for us. You know that kind of like just where the romance hits. We just never really moved past that point, and then it was just kind of I guess my time. So when you left that show and you were eliminated in South Carolina, at what point or how soon afterwards was Paradise on your radar? Was it brought up to you? Um, I mean, a lot of other guys on the show would talk and be like, hey, you're going to go to Paradise, you're going to go to Paradise. And I'm like, I don't know anything about Paradise. I've never seen that show. I really don't. And then sometime before I, I do remember they, yeah, they, they call me and just ask if I'd be interested. And I said, I'm open-minded. And then next thing I know, I ended up getting the call to go. So I, I was kind of, I was open to it. And, and, and so I just decided why not, you know, what do I have to lose? It's a little, the chances seem better. There's more people um, maybe in a little more laid back environment, kind of like a group setting. So just, yeah, I, I think it's, and, I mean, just the numbers game itself, you're not, you have way more options as opposed to The Bachelorette. You're on a show where all you guys are competing for one, and on Paradise, you have options. Now, your options sometimes get limited depending on when you start on the show. You came in in episode three or week three, you know, there were couples that had already formed. You didn't have a, a ton of options, but you did start to become kind of Mr. Popular, because you went on a bunch of dates, didn't you? Uh, well, I, I think I just kind of like came on at the end whenever things were, attitudes were kind of sour, and then I just came in with like a, you know, ready to go attitude. I was like, who here, who's here and wants to go on a date? Yeah. And and then there's like all the girls that are locked up, and they're like, we, we can get boyfriends. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> not uh, not talking to you. So anyway, who, anyone else? And then it's like, Oh, there's Kristen. Yeah. Uh, but she's in love with Jack. And I'm like, Oh, well that'll work. <laughs> That's right. Cause you were on the shortened season because of the shutdown. So there were only four weeks of arrivals and you arrived in week three and you went on a date with scallops, Kristen, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and that's I, I remember that go wasn't there like a love triangle between you and Scallops and Jasmine or right wasn't it something like that? Uh, you know, it started with Scallops had went on a date with Jack, and then Jack was like, you know, madly in love with her at the time. Then I came in, she went on a date with me, um, that pissed Jack off. Then the next day, Blake shows up, goes on a date with her. Um, so yeah, she's she's at the end. We're all she's we're all fighting over. Her. But when you came and then in, I, and then, then I realized I'm like, why am I fighting Jack over this girl? And I was like, yeah, moving on. <laughs> and, and then that was for me, just leaving the show without anyone. But when you came in in week three, you you didn't you didn't leave till week four. So who gave you your rose at the rose ceremony that you got to stay? 
uh, Jasmine did. Jasmine did. Okay. Yeah. So, so I came in, Jasmine was single and, you know, Jasmine approached me and we talked and she's a nice girl. She's a pretty girl, but I, I just, just didn't think that we were a couple. Like we just didn't want to date her. That wasn't, just didn't think we were a good fit for that. Mm -hmm. And she, she was kind of coming at me pretty strong still. <laughs> I'd just be relaxing in the pool. And next thing I know, she'd be jumping on top of me. And so she, she came on strong, but I was just, I was just trying to have fun and, and, you know, not be too, too like pushing her off me crazy, but yeah. I only had to give her, give her a little space. So you, did you think on the week that you went home that you had a chance to get a rose from somebody or no? Uh, well, I actually was there until the end. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. I, so I, I, I don't know if it was, I can't remember exactly what week, but when I came on, I got the rose from Jasmine and then it was the, the then everyone left a couple people, a couple more people came on the show. Um, and then a couple more girls and then, then the show was over. And I, I left alone. Oh, that's right. That's right. The, the twins came on and F-bombed everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've kind of put that out of my mind forever. So that's yeah. kind of a sore topic for me. I'm oh, what ha wait, what happened? Did I miss something? Or did they? No, no, that was just it's exactly as you remember. The twins had a little meltdown because it was too humid and there were bugs. And <laughs> and then basically said, we don't want to go on dates with you a tickle monster and a, a serial killer. And oh, then for, went, for hmm. Jack. <laughs> they thought Jack yeah. was a serial killer. And I, and then they literally stormed off and Jack and I looked at each other and went, hmm. anyway. And then, <laughs> then it's like, walk over to the bar and start talking to everyone. Yeah. Like nothing ever happened. It literally, everyone went back like nothing ever happened. Yeah. They weren't on the show very long. It was literally minutes, right? Or maybe. Yeah. Um, that's right. Cause you got to the end and you were at the time technically quote unquote paired up with Jasmine, Jasmine. and you guys had mm -hmm. to make a decision, you know, do we take it overnight? Do we leave as a couple or whatever? And, or do we break up? And you guys obviously knew what the answer to that was. There wasn't any sort of, right. Uh, you know, same thing. There just wasn't a spark there. Nice girl, pretty. It just, just didn't really, I'm too big of a nerd. <laughs> um, so when you when you <clears throat> excuse me when you were there and you were seeing all these couples forming because you were there at the end so you got to see the couples that did end up making it and whatnot there were three couples that came out of your season at the time Lacey and Daniel Adam and Raven Taylor and Derek yep. you spent a significant amount of time at least a few days and got to see them. What was your thought like when the show ended and maybe you found out that those three were the couples that ended the show? They all ended the show as in a relationship and technically, well, one of them's still together. But I just out of curiosity, did you think any of them were would still be together today? Um I I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I kind of thought they all were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I guess I'm used to, you know, I'm realistic that, yeah, not everyone on The Bachelor and Bachelorette is going to um, be madly in love forever. But for some reason, in my mind, paradise really was where people found love. And then and then I guess, like I said, I'm naive. I was like, huh, I guess that's similar. Guess, guess, guess not. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, because of those three couples, obviously we know Raven and Adam are are still together and going strong. Taylor and Derek, you know, lasted a year. It's not like they broke up two days later. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe they lasted about a year, and then they broke up, and then Lacey and Daniel was a shit show, and you know, we all saw what happened on the the reunion show for that. Um, Lacey yeah, felt that she was used and and whatnot. But the other big thing that came out of that season and carried on even post show was the love triangle between D'Lo and Dean and uh, Christina. When you were there, did you find it weird that Dean would spend the day with D'Lo and then spend the night with Christina and vice versa? Like when you were witnessing it all go down, you're like, that's kind of weird and he should probably choose one. Or did you not think about it did when didn't cross your mind uh i mean i think when i got there it was kind of towards the end of that yeah. because um i when i got there i went and because I, I wanted to see if christina might want to go on a date and then i i talked to her and like i could tell she was so distracted she, i was like look this girl's this girl's so distracted by this guy she, she can't even like r- relax or focus right now so i was like i just don't think it i, I just don't think it would even like be a good time to even ask her on a date. And then that's when I went Kristen. So I came in when she was still at the very end of that. I could tell she was, she was not having anything or anyone. She was so focused on that. And then Dilo just seemed to be kind of having whatever, but I think that's, but he dated Christina first, correct? It, what, it when, was Chris. Yeah. It was Christina first. Cause Dilo was the one that came in cause they were, Dean was a week one guy and Christina was a week one girl, like our original cast and D'Lo came in in week two. So yeah, they started out hot and heavy and then D'Lo came in and Dean liked her. Yes. So, so D'Lo's the new girl. Yeah. So, you know, of course the new girl's high on life, having a great time. Um, He's having a great time too. And then obviously she's not quite as excited about it. Um, (laughs) I, I guess I'm one of those people that I'm used to, I can just be in the middle of the fight and just sit there and watch it. That's what I did so many times on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Guys would be going at it. I'd be sitting there right in between Kenny and Lee, just staring at him like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, okay, all right, what are you going to say to this? So so for me, it wasn't that awkward. I just, I really don't get distracted by what other people are doing. Um, but everyone else was all about it. It was It was definitely weird. And obviously you weren't there in the beginning for the whole – Demario Corinne stuff and the shutdown that happened because of it. So I'm not going to ask you about that. You have, probably don't have much of an opinion on it since you weren't there. You didn't witness what happened. Um, yeah, I wasn't that. there. So I mean, any, any, I couldn't comment any more than what you know the word of mouth I've heard, and that's yeah. I don't know anything about it. So I'm, you know. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, so at that point, you know, you're done. They didn't ask, were you, just out of curiosity, were you asked, did they gauge your interest last year about Paradise, about coming on, or no? Yeah, they did. Oh, they did. Yeah, they called me and asked me about coming back. And, you were- and I don't remember when, it was pretty early. And I think I might have said, like, yeah, but probably, in hindsight, I probably didn't seem very interested on the phone. And, and then they never called me back, so. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they obviously... In in my mind, looking back, I'm I'm glad I didn't go back. I just think it was it was probably not a good. It was I did it once. It was fun. I had a great experience for real. I'm, I'm glad I did, but I just didn't really see like what a, a good idea about me going back either way. Yeah. 
Makes sense. And, you know, you're somebody that, like you said, was a prof- you know, is a professional. You're a family medicine doctor in, in, in Florida, right? Yeah, I'm in Florida now. So was that tough work-wise to get off for Rachel's season and then to take a couple weeks off to go down to paradise? Was it – did – Families yeah, it was. I mean, mad at you or like, hey, they, our they weren't happy about it. I don't think. Um, you know, I gave them some notice and told them I was doing this um, in this process, and basically explained that I was like, um, you know, I have, I have the rest of my life to work. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity, and it's something that I want to do. And we made it work. And so then, yeah, it, it was a little tough, and it was it was tough coming back to work too. It was an adjustment. What was the biggest thing for you? I mean, I guess, is this something that you've always wanted to do? Did you always want to be a doctor growing up? Is this, is this running your family? Did you have, come from a family of doctors? Or yeah, t- we, tell we everyone about that. And, and My mom's a school nurse. My brother's a physician. Okay. Um, so, so we have some, a lot of people in my family are in the healthcare field. And I, I've always been a, a science nerd. And so just kind of drove myself that way, I think started volunteering and doing other things and just was like this is really cool um, i still think it's cool and so do how, a lot of weird do a lot of weird stuff how long have you been a family medicine doctor uh, been now for five years now so i was done when i was 28 i was pretty young just went straight through i've been out in practice for five years now and where did you get your degree arkansas i spent my whole life there at, and then just at, to, at University of Arkansas is where you got it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Razorbacks. And then when did you make the move down to Florida, and why? After med school, just wanted to go somewhere for a while. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, my advisor was just just saying, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity too. A few years, you go practice somewhere, and then if you like it, you can stay or go somewhere. If not, you come back home. And came down here and never went back. And you're, are you still in New, uh, New Smyrna Beach? I am. Okay. Yeah, I'm still here in New Smyrna. Uh, I do some work over in Orlando, too. So I, I like to you know have a little fun over in the city, and then on the weekends be over here on the beach. So it's good. I like it. I know you said that you still get the tickle reference from people. How many of your clients, what percentage of your clients make a tickle monster reference? Oh, um, you know, a third of them. Wow. A lot. And I, you know, I didn't really think so either. We'd have people call in the office and say, can I make an appointment with the tickle monster? And I was like, is this for real? I, I'm like, are these people really like, you know, it was just kind of like at first I was just like, these people are nuts. And then I'm just kind of like, you know what? It's just, it is. If, if they're happy, I'm happy. And so I, I'm pretty lighthearted about it. Yeah. It's still got to be like, it is you know the crazy thing is most um people will be like oh i bet you go you know tons of girls tons of girls from they come up to you and i'm like well there's a lot of younger girls that watch the show and then a lot i feel like a lot of women but it's actually um like a lot of dudes that come up to me and say hey my girlfriend watches the show she's right over there you won't talk she won't come over here can i take a selfie with you <laughs> i'm like what they had a guy take a selfie with me in a Chick-fil-A bathroom, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. That was one of my questions I mean, later on was, uh, what's the weirdest post, <laughs> post-show post fan 
stalking creeper incident that you ever had. And I'd say that's got to be right up there, a selfie in a Chick-fil-A bathroom. Yeah, I was evacuating from the hurricane a couple of years, a couple of years ago. And I was just walking in the bathroom. Guy comes in and he goes, are you by chance a tickle monster? And I was like, <laughs> if I wasn't, this would be even creepier than it already is. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, guy, you know, if I wasn't. So, yeah, I was like, okay, we'll do it, but not in the stall. So I was just like, <laughs> just take the picture and let me out of here. That whole, that whole, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. It was just weird, but funny. Yeah, that whole story just sounds creepy. Like a guy in a bathroom coming up to you, are you the tickle monster? That's probably, uh, could be grounds for arrest, uh, you know, arrest in some states. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, wow. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. That sucks. Well, one thing that's come positive out of this, I don't know if it became because of the show or whatnot, is um, you've got a girlfriend now. I do. Yeah, I've um, been dating Sarah. She lives in Orlando, so dental sales rep. And we've been dating since before the end of the year. So, yeah, that's been good for me. They always tell you, you know, you may not find love through The Bachelor or Bachelorette, but you will find love on or after the show. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty true. Now, let me ask you this. Was she the very first date or your very first encounter? Did she make Tickle Monster references? Is she a fan of the show or is she one of these people She's that She's watched no the idea? show. She's watched the show, yeah. Um, and she was she was going to be in my area, kind of over here in this area, um, seeing some of her, her dentists and clients. And she DM'd me and said, hey, I'm going to be in your area. Would you want to grab um, dinner or drink? Or, you know, I think she just said coffee or something to try to be neutral and you know I, I get dms from people here and there and crazy people sometimes and so i saw it and i was just kind of like, i don't know and then i you know got distracted next thing i know came back to it like weeks later and i was like eh, why not and so i messaged her back and we got together and here we are six months later so. i was gonna say so she slid into your dms that's how the relationship started she, she did wow <laughs> you know so she presented with me with a with an option, and I liked it, and so I took it. And here you are, six months later. Yeah, yeah. So so we're having fun. We're, you know, she's a pretty passionate, adventurous girl, and so we we're over in Orlando, hanging out in the city, and then come over here and surf and do a lot of stuff. So so yeah, it's been a good. So I, maybe the show did help me find love, so meet someone. And, well, well, congr- I, well, congrats on that. I mean, like you said, thanks. it it. It wasn't somebody from the show, but because you were on the show, I mean, I don't think if you were on the show, your girlfriend would have DM'd you because she wouldn't have known to DM you because it sounds like she saw you and just said, hey, I I know who that guy is. Let me ask him for coffee. And it worked. Yeah, you got to shoot your shot. The answer is always no unless you ask. Yeah. You you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Right. And uh, and she took her shot. So um, good for you guys. Congratulations on the uh, six months anniversary or wherever we're at. Or is it, is it, is yeah. it around there? Uh, uh, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so things have been good for me since the show. Work's going well. Uh, my personal life's going good. I'm, I, I'm really happy. I, I, I'm glad I did the show. People always ask me, like, would you do it again? Or, you know, would you would you recommend, you know, I want to go on the show. And I'm like, yeah, of course, if you're willing to put yourself out there, it's, I think it's totally worth it. You'll get out of it 
whenever you want. Um, you know, you may find love. If not, you'll, you'll learn a lot about yourself. It's, it's, it's definitely like a crazy social experiment, but you gain from it. Oh, for sure. And you know, there's obviously a lot of perks that come with it. There's some negatives that come with it. Your personal life gets out there that maybe you don't want out there or people dig up stuff and whatnot. I, I know that there was something that came up with you um, online that was not the greatest of things uh, with, I can't remember, honestly, I can't remember what it was. Um, there was, a, was there something in the past that I'm missing here? I don't, I mean, nothing severe, no. I mean, we've all made mistakes in life, but. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I think it, it's, it's one of these things where the second, it's weird because nobody ever would have thought to talk about you and your and your personal life or whatever if you never went on this show and obviously you go on it and people just want to know things they dig through your instagram history they dig through your your tweets and all that stuff and that's i mean that's kind of how everything happened with lee is oh lee i forget his last name oh lee's a contestant on the bachelorette let's just dig through his twitter account and find something that he wrote you know granted it was completely unacceptable no matter what year he wrote it but if Lee was never on the show, nobody would have ever looked to see on Lee's Twitter account what he wrote. So it's like, it's it's a double edged sword. It is. It's there, there's you and you know that going in there, you you know that people, whatever people say, like why wouldn't you do it, or whatever. And I say because um, everyone will know everything about you. Yeah. You you will you will no longer have secrets. Um, people will look up stuff about you. They'll search reports. They'll stuff. They'll post it. So you have to be prepared for that. I mean, it, I'm not comparing it to running for office, but it's kind of like, you know, what they do to politicians. Oh, for sure. What are your skeletons? What skeletons are out there? What, um, you know, you got to know this stuff and you know, you got to know it's going to be put into public and be ready for it. And if, if you're not able to handle that, do not do the show. Like it's just so, so yeah, it's one of those. I think that's what I mean by you'll get stronger through this because, stuff comes out about you and then you just learn how to roll through it, how to be confident. I mean, it just teaches you a lot. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's just, I mean, for me, that was my experience. Uh, I've heard people have had negative experiences and, um, you know, they felt like they were this felt like they were that. Um, I just can't say that. Yeah, no, I mean, it looks like things went well for you. And like I said, here you are business is going well got yourself a girlfriend all is good so congratulations again like i said so thanks jonathan thank you very much uh for coming on i really appreciate it um of course good conversation good luck good luck with everything and uh, i'm gonna try and work on you know more guys on your season you're you're, like i said you're number three i totally forgot about (laughs) sorry josiah and kenny (laughs) but i also i mean i had them on also i think a year ago so i mean it's been a while and i just forget but uh being (laughs) Being number pot your podcast number one thirty one, it's just like all right. I've interviewed a lot of people. Sometimes I just forget uh, who I had on for think, what season. But yeah, it'll be all right. Um, again, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck with everything. All right, thanks, Steve. You got yeah. it. But thank you so much to Jonathan for that. I really appreciate him coming on. Like I said, I've only had two guys from Rachel season on the show, and that was Kenny. And Josiah, so it was good to get uh, Jonathan on, talk a little bit about his season with Rachel, talk a little bit about Paradise, what he's doing now, what he's been up to. Good to hear from him. So uh, again, thank you, Jonathan, for for coming on and, and telling us your story about everything that's happened with you. 
Um, I we haven't spoken about Survivor all season. Edge of Extinction just ended. So what better person to talk to than our resident Survivor expert? He's a former contestant. He has his own podcast, the Know It Alls. Stephen Fishback. You knew we, he's been on the show a few times before, and he is just so insightful when it comes to this show. He's got great opinions. He has so much knowledge about the show and the history of it. I, I could talk Survivor with him for hours. Um, but here's a segment just kind of wrapping up Edge of Extinction, talking about Season 39, The Island of Idols, and the rumors going around about Season 40. So here it is with Stephen Fishback. All right, I want to bring in our Survivor expert because we haven't talked Edge of Extinction all season here on the podcast. I want to get a wrap-up on it with um, our resident survivor expert here he was on survivor token genes then he was on survivor second chance cambodia and then he's part of the know-it-all podcast know-it-all's podcast it is steven fishback steven how are you i'm great i'm really delighted to be referred to as your resident survivor expert like that's the role i want is to be like the you know the other people's resident survivor expert that's fantastic no i think it's um i think it's very fitting for you because you know, when I've had you on in the past, I love playing trivia with you. We're not going to do it this time. Thank God. Although I do have some things that when I was doing some research for Edge of Extinction and thinking about things, I was like, wait a second, has this ever happened? So I might ask you something like that, but I'm not, yeah. I don't have a list of, hey, who was the 14th person voted out in season 26? I don't have that this time. Well, I've got my computer right in front of me. So if I need to Google anything really fast and seem smart, you know, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get started with. Uh, edge of extinction it was it was really a polarizing season and i think i know where you're at on this only because i remember reading your recap i don't remember every detail of it but knowing that you're kind of a purist for the show and just overall in general do you like the idea of another island whether it be exile or extinction or whatever they've called it in the past where someone who is voted out of the game has a chance to get back in I mean, generally, no, I really don't. And I think there's something so pure about the vote out. You know, it's such a, a staple of reality television. And is, and is Survivor like the first show? I mean, it's the Survivor or The Bachelor. I don't remember which came first. But, it, you know, these are the, the initial shows that kind of created this form, this uh, formula of someone is eliminated. And it's, it's always a powerful emotional thing. And I feel like these shows derive a lot of their emotional power from this you know, this moment of someone who has a lot invested in this competition, whether it's The Bachelor or whether it's Survivor, seeing that dream taken away from them in an instant. And I think the very existence of a second opportunity robs them a little bit of that that power. That said, I'm fine with like the occasional experiment. I was not, you know, I didn't love the idea of Edge of Extinction when at the very start of this season, when Jeff Probst talked about it you know i thought it was a really interesting pitch that he gave which is we are going to take people and deprive them more than they've ever deprived we have uh, been deprived we are going to push them truly to their limits of endurance and i thought that's cool you know you know a lot of what was appealing about the survivor and sorry early seasons was seeing that survival element of it that i think has been lost at least from survivor the tv show if not from survivor the actual experience and i thought that was a really cool idea of like let's take this one desolate barren place and push people to their limits we didn't actually see a ton of that and i think i honestly think a lot of the problem with this past season and i think a lot of the, the reason that people reacted as badly as they did was because we didn't get that there just wasn't enough airtime you know there's 44 minutes of airtime a week you know com, you know in an hour of tv 
and we just didn't see a lot of what was really happening on the edge of extinction. So when someone can I can I spoil what happens? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when someone comes back from the edge and you know wins after having played eight days of you know classic Survivor of the show as we all imagine it, it feels like something unfair has happened. Understandable. I mean, it it totally is. And now this is the one of the questions that I was thinking of, and I can't remember in the past. I want to say my answer would be four or five. How many seasons of Survivor have we had? where there's been some sort of island where you could get back in the game. After you've been voted out. Yeah, after you've been voted out. I want to say four or five times we've seen this, or is it so more? The first, the, the first one was the outcast twist, and that, and that was in Survivor Per Islands. And that wasn't actually like an island where you were voted out, but it was, it was somewhat similar to the Edge of Extinction, where everyone who was voted out was then created a, a separate tribe, basically, that, was, that, that none of the con- contestants in the game knew about. And then they had an opportunity for those people who were voted out to come back. And if they won a challenge against the players who were still in the game, they got to vote in two people who uh, from that group. And that's that was a um, that ended up being Lil, who made it all the way to the finals. And, you know, part of why she lost was because of the sense of you've lost the, already. You've been voted out of this game. And uh, Burton, who also had a tremendous impact on that season. Um, and then, you know, in season 22, uh, which was Survivor Redemption Island, that was the first time they kind of had this island where you got voted out, you went to the island, but you had to keep competing to stay in the game. You know, you had to win competition. So they had that in season 22. They had it in season 23. And I believe they had it in season 27, Blood versus Water. And then I'm, I think they had it in – I'm not sure if they had it in season 29. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't. So, yeah, four or five uh, four or five different seasons have had an opportunity to get back in the game. And this is the fifth or sixth. Yeah. It's just – you're always going to have people that are like, hey, I'm a survivor th- – purist through and through i you're, you're voted out you're done you should not be able to get back in the game and i was going to ask you who was the closest in the past of anybody that's ever been voted out to winning but you just answered it with lil right yeah there's a scout master lil from yeah. survivor uh pearl islands and she, she yeah she made it all the way to the finals where she lost against sandra yeah and you know it's funny like i feel like there are other shows where people come back in the game like the challenge which i'm a huge fan of you know, they have a they've had in the past like a redemption twist where people can come back. Yeah. Uh, you know, Top Chef has their last chance kitchen. And it's it just crazy. It's I, I, you've certainly seen contestants on The Bachelor come back right after having a I mean, I, I don't know. You know, my Bachelor lore isn't as extensive as my Survivor lore. But, but it, I feel like people aren't as outraged when it happens on other shows as they are when it happens on survivor, you know, people really respond badly. And I think it's because this idea of this pure game is, is really beautiful. And, um, yeah, like sort of tampering with it. It really seems to sort of be like a, a stab against the, the pure, the perfection of that game. It could, yeah, be, I, it could be because of the prize too. It could be because of the fact that a million dollars, excuse me, is on the line. And on those other shows, there isn't a million dollars at stake. And why does somebody get a million dollars who only played, you know, 13 days like Chris Underwood did? I mean, there, I think maybe that has something to do with it because the prize is so big. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And it's also like, you know, Survivor has always been a little, you know, pure about its format, too, to a certain degree, whereas the challenge constantly changes its format. And so, you know, one season is never like the previous season. And so maybe people are a little bit more open 
to circumstance and randomness and, and change. Whereas Survivor, because it really has kept, you know, the core fundamentals of, you know, two or three tribes on, they, they compete against each other, then they come together. Every episode ends with a vote out. And it's just these, this iconic mechanic where when there is some variation to that, it feels like it's threatening the very integrity of the game. So let's talk about Chris a little bit. Um, he won it. He was voted out on day three or uh, voted out third on day eight. He spent technically, what, 13 days in the game and 29 on Extinction, right? I think it's 13 in the game and 28 20, on Extinction. 20 and that's, on Extinction. And that ends up being more than the 39 days of the show because each day, you know, there's a double counting where you count, you know, the day that he goes to Extinction is both a day in the game and a day on Extinction. Oh. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to say exactly like what the what the exact numbers are, right? The exact number of hours, but it's basically 13 days in the game or, or 28 days on Extinction Island. Yeah. So I know this. So is, he, I know this is a simple question, and I, it, but I know it's going to have a longer answer to it. But do you have a problem with somebody winning who spent 28 days out of the game? I mean, it's it's so hard to say because I mean, my my short answer is yes, and my long answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I don't love it. I don't love it. It feels like it's not right for the game. You know, I you know ultimately you, you can't blame the guy. Obviously, you know, yeah. the guy is playing the game that he's being dealt. Uh, you know, he was voted out. He's not going to object to being allowed back in the game and given the chance to win. And but but. You know, and if I were on the jury, I think I would award – and it's always hard to put yourself in someone in those people's shoes. But I think I would award the people who had to stay in the game of Survivor. You know, uh, Rick Devins, who was this contestant who played most of the game of Survivor but also did spend some time on Extinction. He said, you know, Extinction's hard, but it's not at all as hard as Survivor because, you know – on Extinction, I can go and take a four-hour nap, but on Survivor, I always have to be playing. You know, and there's that constant uh, mental fatigue of just the incessant strategy, the constant scrambling, the constant running of scenarios that being in the game uh, creates. But you know, that said, if the twist is the Island of Extinction, or you know, the Edge of Extinction, you can't necessarily fault the jurors for awarding someone who incorporated that twist into their game. And I, I think that what Chris did that, that really even made this a conversation at all was he played his heart out when he came back. You know, he came in the, those five days that he was back in the game. He did so much. You know, he he flushed an idol. He, he played an idol on himself. Yeah. He won an immunity challenge. And then he did this incredible thing. One of the biggest moves in the history of the game, he wins that final immunity necklace and gives it up in order to make fire against Rick Devins because he knows that, you know, two things. One, if Rick Devins makes the final tribal, Rick is going to win. And second, he has got to give himself this resume. He's got to give himself this story of I took out the biggest threat and therefore I deserve the crown. And so, you know, he just did so much in that time that, you know, I can see why the jury would say, well, some you guys, you might have been in the game for the whole time, but you played much more passive games. You weren't taking this crazy active role. And personally, I would have still awarded those people just for navigating the social dynamics because in my mind, that's what Survivor is. But I also see why they gave him uh, the vote, their votes. So you would have voted for Gavin? 
I would have voted for Gavin. I mean, look, again, like what, what's what's hard about it is you can see why the people who were on the edge of extinction voted for Chris because I actually did a podcast about this with Hannah Shapiro, who's another losing finalist, and, and I think she really said it perfectly where she said, you know, Chris played the game that every one of those other people imagined for themselves. And so, you know, they had been on the edge of extinction for days or weeks, you know, months, I think in, in, in some, you know, in, in Reem's case. And, you know, every one of themselves had fantasized about how they were going to get back in the game and how they were going to do all these things and win challenges and play idols. And, you know, I'm sure they all thought about giving up fire and making fire and Chris did it all. And so how could they not vote for the guy who was living out their fantasies, you know? Um, and, you know, of course, there's also the element, too, where by the very virtue of Chris living with them for so long, he got to really know them on a human level. Gavin has just betrayed all those people. They're salty at him, you know? And, and I think Gavin in, in the final tribal council said it really well, where he kind of made this point that – I would have loved to have been out there on the edge of extinction, you know, healing wounds instead of here in the game making wounds. But, but, uh, you know, so while I understand why the jurors voted the way they did, you know, I, I always, I always want to applaud the people who are actually out there driving the strategy, you know, and, and doing the hard work of, of actually, you know, cutting the throats and getting to the end. And that's where it just comes in where it's not Chris's fault. I think it's, it's it was the hand that was dealt to him. He didn't. It's not like he chose to take twenty three days off in the game. It's or you know twenty eight days off in the game by going to extinction. On so like, it's it's a product of what the show's theme was for the season, and he couldn't help it. And then when he came back, and I think you wrote this in your finale recap, his resume in five days was pretty much stronger than probably Gavin and Julie's combined for the thirty nine days yeah. they were there. Like yeah. it's almost like I mean I had no problem with him winning, but I do see why people were upset that he did. Like I can see both sides, but if I was on the jury, I would have voted for Chris. I thought oh you would have voted for Chris. That's really interesting. Absolutely, I thought that the fact that he came back into the game, got a person on the show to give him their idol, Lauren, then played the idol and then pulled the ballsiest move that we've ever seen, which could have happened in the. I believe in the Dom Wendell season. Isn't the isn't the exact same scenario that Dom had, and he chose not to go and take Wendell with him and lost. Isn't that basically yes. what happened? Yeah, it was slightly different circumstances where it wasn't probably as clear to Dom that Wendell was going to win as it was to Chris that Devins would win. Yeah, but yeah, basically the same. I mean, I th- I mean, because De- let's let's talk Rick Devins for a little bit. This guy was the star of the season. Yeah, he was. Easily going to be the winner. Everybody out there knew it. I think if that guy got to the jury against Gavin and Julie, or if it got to the end with Gavin and Julie, he might go 13-0 in the final. Yeah. I, who's not voting for him in the finals? No, I think he probably. I think it's likely that he would have gone 13-0. <laughs> then that's amazing. Like yeah. I really wanted to see that guy win, but that's where the Chris thing came in because it's not like Devin's got screwed by a vote. Devin's had his own fate in his hands. And he didn't win the fire making challenge against Chris. Um, and I, that's where I can't, I can't fault Chris. But there are pros and cons. Like you said, the, the cons of being out there on Extinction Island, or whatever you want to call it, Edge of Extinction, for 28 days was I, I, the con for the viewers, but a pro for him was 
he buddied up to every person out there and could basically rest. And that certainly helped his game versus the people that were still in it. But to the viewers, I, I, I don't even know what the split is. Maybe 50-50? I don't know. What's, what's your take on the viewers and maybe just in talking with people and hearing reaction, what is your take on Chris winning with the viewers? Is it 50-50 or? It's hard to say. I mean, I've seen such passionate um... – such passionate arguments from both sides, you know, both people who absolutely think Chris deserved to win. He played with the twist as it was given to him and, Mm -hmm. you know, good for him. And then a lot of people are just outraged about the twist. I mean, I do think like the super fan community, the Reddit community, you know, they are probably, I would guess that they're more against than for, but I think probably most viewers, honestly, if I had to guess, I would say most viewers were totally okay with Chris winning. I mean, I think the really passionate fans probably who you know who feel a lot of protect ownership over survivor are probably more protective of the core integrity of the game and they're probably the ones who are more upset i mean one of the things that i felt was that you know one of the the core things about survivor and this is something that jeff says all the time is you have to be able to vote people out in such a way that they're going to vote for you to win and and chris didn't have to do that and i felt like so I, i think on a fundamental level he didn't have to do part of what survivor traditionally is now that wasn't true of this season. And, you know, if Edge of Extinction became a part of the show forever, I would be pretty annoyed. Yeah. I would think that was a real betrayal of the format. But as one experiment, see what happens. Maybe you have a winner who, you know, you don't love. Or maybe you have a winner who you even feel doesn't deserve it. Like, this isn't the first guy who a lot of people feel didn't deserve to win, you know? It's it's probably every other season <laughs> that the community feels like someone got the win that that didn't deserve it. And I will say that in terms of TV, just like pure television, I thought the finale was fantastic. You know, like, was I was not, yeah, I didn't love the result, but I just like seeing it happen. It was so entertaining. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 when it's funny because when he, when, when Chris was determining about the fire making challenge and he was having Gavin make fire and Julie make fire and he's coaching him on and you're just like, wow, who is he going to pick? And then when he gave it, when he was talking about Jeff, I'm going to put it in my own hands. I, I, maybe I was just behind or I wasn't paying attention, but I don't think I still knew what he was doing. I didn't understand. (laughs) And and here's a question I have for you. And some people brought this up, uh, I think in emails to me. And I think I saw this online. Once he gave up that immunity, uh, necklace, shouldn't it have been, who did he give it to Gavin or Julie? I totally forgot. I think it was Julie. I'm not positive, though. Shouldn't shouldn't Julie have had the choice of what to do? Not not him. Not yeah, that not I that really, the same thing would have happened. I'm sure she would have put Chris and Devons in the fire making challenge anyway. Or yeah, it's a it's a funny question. Like, could Julie then have been like, no, I don't. I you know, no, you 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 get immunity. Like, I'm just like <laughs> passing the immunity necklace around. Like, a, like yeah, a I mean, um, it's I guess it's possible. You know, it's also possible that he kind of like. And I was talking about this with Rob's sister, Nino, who also podcasts about the show with me. And and he was sort of saying that he thinks that, you know, they probably he probably got the go ahead that like what if he was going to step up, like you know, no one was going to be able to dispute it. Yeah. Um, but I also imagine that Julie in that situation probably was like, great, I'm going to the finals. I don't I don't have to make fire. Uh, I don't particularly want to make fire against Evans. You know, I don't think. Yeah, you had Gavin sitting there who – in fact, I'm pretty sure he did give it to Julie because I, I actually – I can see a scenario where Gavin would have refused to do it because he was saying – Gavin was saying in that moment, like, I want to I want to make fire. I want to prove myself. I want to take my shot. Yeah. So um, 
which, you know, smart of Gavin. Again, like, I think Gavin played a really underrated game. It was great television. And Rick Devins was one of the more entertaining characters we've had all season. Just so likable. And I, I don't know. I think at the beginning, I think people thought he might have been annoying and was talking too much. But they were setting it up for later on in the season where, I, obviously, they knew he was coming back. They knew he had yeah. won the first chance back at a, from extinction. And the guy was just rock solid television all season like I, I i could watch that guy show up every other season i don't think i'd get sick of him i thought i thought he was great i loved him i will say that he was one of the most polarizing contestants i've ever seen in terms of social media response like people hated him and i think some of that was because he also had come back from the edge of extinction there was a sense that you already got voted out um but i think a lot of it too was just this you know there's this this uh trend recently of these guys coming in and just hogging all the airtime, getting all the idols, you know, basically being invulnerable. And I just feel like, you know, people were worried that he was kind of showboating his way into an inevitable victory. Now, that obviously turned out not to be the case. And I bet a lot of people like him a lot more now that he's lost. You know, I think there's an inherent um, rejection of someone who who's perceived to be, you know, destined to be the winner. And, uh, you know, people love an underdog and he was the top dog. It might not have been a great season overall, but it had a great ending. Like you said, the finale was outstanding to watch. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I had no problem with Chris winning. I just didn't think that Gavin stood out and had any sort of resume that even matched up to anything Chris did in five days. I just, if we're voting on resumes, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing Gavin had in his resume was he was in the game for 39 days. That was the only thing. And it's just a matter of if you think that's more important, then, yeah, I could see you voting for Gavin. I just wouldn't have. It's a good point. Like, did did he do, you know, did he, was, was he able to take ownership of anything? And I honestly think some of it might just be, you know, marketing. You know, like, he was not able to, when he was there, you know, you have such limited time in front of the jury, right? You're at these tribal councils. And it's that lasts an hour and that's all they really see of the game. And you kind of have to sort of tell your story in that time. And I think Gavin was not great at telling a story. So to, like, you know, when things were happening where maybe he did feel somewhat responsible, he never was the guy who was really owning those moments. Yeah, he really wasn't. And I just, like I said, my vote would have been for Chris and my reasoning would have been what he did in those five days after he got back was more than Gavin and Julie in my mind that they did all game. I just think he had a better resume. He couldn't help the fact that he he obviously was a threat to people or else he wouldn't have been voted out third. People thought he was a big enough threat. The game is the game for this particular season. They decided to go with this edge of extinction, and yeah, he got to rest a lot, and he didn't have to basically play for 28 days, and he got to make friends on the jury who all ended up voting for him pretty much. But I... I just like, well, we have to vote for one of these three. We have to vote for Gavin, Julie, or Chris, and my vote would go to Chris. I just didn't yeah, see I mean, anything else that I could have voted for with the other two. He just had such a huge unfair advantage, you know, in terms of being able to be friends with the jury, in terms of, you know, in terms of like having information that the jury told him. For example, he knew about Lauren's Idol because he heard about it from Wentworth. Uh, Devin's, Devin said subsequently that he had a, he got Julie, I'm sorry, he got Ron Clark to write on a piece of parchment in, in, um, I don't know, like chalk or something, um, a note to Julie telling Julie that, that she could trust him. And so, you know, in terms of like a, a level playing field, Chris had a huge advantage and he only got that advantage 
because he was voted out of the game, you know, <laughs> because like on any other season, he would have been eliminated. But as instead, he had this like in, insane gift given to him. Uh, and I think the other thing that a lot of people really responded negatively to was the fact that he had an immunity idol given to him at the final five. I agree. That one was a little bit too much. But I, I saw Jeff's explanation was if we're going to bring him back in the game. He's obviously the first target of everybody. He's got we we have to give him an idol to be safe for at least one Rose uh, Rose ceremony, <laughs> one <laughs> one tribal council. I can understand that. I mean, if it's it just would seem if put it this way, if he comes back in the game and gets voted out immediately because it's like, hey, you haven't been here with us. We don't, you don't deserve to be here. You're gone. I think it undermines their whole point of the season as a production team. It's like, great, we just did this thing, and now we realized what a joke it was because whoever gets voted back in. Whoever earns their way back in is going to get voted right out anyway. They've got to be able to stay. Or maybe he should have just gotten an advantage at an immunity to er- to maybe earn it in some way as opposed to just being given it. I don't know. I- or like an extra vote so that he could kind of swing the tide uh, you know, uh, a little bit. I mean the one thing I will say about that idol was it was another split idol, meaning he gave – his half to someone else. Yeah. You know, he already started, he had to give half of it to someone else. And then that person gave it back. And that meant that someone had to choose to keep him in the game. Yeah. And what was most remarkable to me about Chris's run and why I'm closest to saying he deserves to win. I mean, deserves is such a, a loaded word, but was, was that he got all of these people to fight for him to stay. You know, not only did Rick Devins give him back, uh, his half of the idol, which is really Rick Devins saving the person who would then knock him out of the game. Lauren played her idol for him. And didn't again, need to. Yeah, didn't need to. But again, like saving the person who would then go on to knock her out of the game. So, I mean, he really played these people. And, you know, when it, I don't love it when it's just twists, idols, and advantages that help someone get to the end. But, you know, I think in that limited time, you can really say that he also played a pretty spectacular social game. Yeah, that's that's why I would have voted for him. And like I said, yeah. it's a fascinating ending. Um, the only reason the the winner itself in the past seasons, obviously it's always been somebody who's been playing the game for 39 days. And like you said, with only 44 minutes per show, yeah, we got our clips of what's going on at Extinction, but we didn't get any sort of backstories. We didn't get to know. Like, I don't feel like I know anything about Chris, and I think I yeah. would have like we would do every other winner, and you – when they win, you realize, wow, they went through hell for 39 days. They deserve it. Chris, I'm fine with him winning, but I don't feel a connection to Chris. I don't feel like I know anything about this guy. And yeah, I think we if don't. We'd spend like, yeah, if, if there had been like 15 minutes or 10 minutes or even five minutes at uh, the edge of extinction every week and we saw the politics there, we saw him – you know, really more of what he did in the, you know, that, there to, to build those connections. I really feel like people would, have, would be more on board with it just to have a sense of, all right, this guy was working it. You know, every, you know, even if he was out of the game, he was, he was suffering. He was working his connections. He was dealing with things. And I honestly think that's part of why um, maybe people complain less about people coming back from the challenge is that you spend time at Redemption House on the challenge. Um, yeah. So there's a sense of like, they've, they've been there, you know, they, you feel like they've been on the show Whereas Chris like really was not even on the show for some episodes. You could barely even saw his face at tribal council. Yeah. I think it's just, if I had to guess, I'm guessing this is a one-off. I don't think edge of extinction ever comes back. I think they tried it. Um, just reading probes. He, not that probes, I mean, he's the executive producer. It's 
his baby. He's yeah. never going to admit this was a gigantic failure. I don't think he's yeah. really ever admitted that, even when there has been some disdain online for something that happened on the show or you know, finding too many idols or whatever. He'll always defend it in some way. But something yeah. tells me that this one isn't coming back. I don't think we're going to see it again. I hope you're right. I mean, I, I'm. I, I that seems like my my feeling too is that it, it probably it probably created a lot of demands uh, for the production team too, where they were trying to shoehorn in you know stuff that's happening on the edge of extinction. And, you know, it's it makes it more of a challenge to tell a really compelling story if you you know have a lot of like islands to bounce around between. So I, I really hope you're right that uh, it's it's a one and done for this. Well, that'll do it for Edge of Extinction. Just want to talk real briefly about season 39. We got the glimpse of it at the finale called Island of the Idols. Now, as far as we know, it's just a regular season. Everybody's new. There is Sandra and there is Rob who are going to be on their own island giving advice. Um, it sounds like they have no chance to ever be a part of this game, have no chance to ever be part of a jury, have no chance to ever compete in a challenge. As far as I know, I mean, we've given it's still details are very sketchy still at this point. We just know it's they're out there by themselves. They have giant heads of them on an island, um, <laughs> yeah. which was pretty the giant funny. Heads are like the most absurd part of it might be the most absurd thing that Survivor has ever done is like a giant Boston Rob head. That might be like the single most absurd thing in the history of the show. So but then again, now that I think about it, does this mean that this is going to be another island where people have a chance to get back in the game? Or we don't know. Oh, that's interesting. I hope not. I don't. I think so. It's who like, are they I'm, giving advice to? It, it, you're like, is it one of these where okay, losing team at the reward challenge, the winning team gets to send somebody to, you know, consult consultation island with with Rob and Sandra. I don't know what what exactly is their guess. role. Do we know? <laughs> My guess is that it's like that. So that it's going to be a little bit like Ghost Island, where someone is selected to go. And they go and they, you know, oh, my God, there's Rob and Sandra. You know, they have a strategy session. And my guess is that they will either have to earn or be given some kind of advantage, whether it's an extra vote or an idol or, you know, clue to an idol. Um, and I, I don't know, will that be will that be uh, based on, you know, randomness or will, you know, Rob hand pick the perfect tool for this person at that time? Uh, it's really hard to. Hard to say. I mean, I hope you're right that they don't have a chance to get back in the game. You know, of course, my, I, I immediately went to Big Brother 19, which kind of had a similar mentorship uh, structure where you had four mentors. And at a certain point, they had the chance to get back in the game. And one of them, Dan Giesling, made it all the way to the finals where he, he lost to Ian Terry. Um, this is the one season of Big Brother I watched, so I'm really familiar with it. Uh, but, but um, I, uh, you know, I, I hope they don't because I, 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 you know, Again, like I think probably some people feel like, oh my gosh, like what a ridiculous twist. I kind of like it. I think the mentorship thing is a cool thing, and it's it's one season. You know, it's not like it's like a one season exploration of like what what would happen if if we put Rob and Sandra on an island and they could advise the contestants. It's not like the show is going to do that forever. It's not like Rob is going to live out there forever. It's like let's let's just see this one time, and I'm I'm open to that. And let's and you know. Let's not forget, we haven't seen it yet, so we can't yeah. possibly judge. We have no idea. Maybe in your mind you have it set like, oh, this sucks, and why do we have to see Sandra again and Rob again or whatever, but we don't know. We just don't know how it's going to play out. It might it might be something really cool. I think the one thing that I'm proud of or ha or happy about when I saw there's going to be consultants on next season 
was just that it's not Cochran. I'm just, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I have nothing against John Cochran. I'm just like, I, this show is so far up his ass. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just, I, he's you know, one of my, honestly, Cochran is one of my best real life friends. <laughs> and I always love it when he's on the show. And I, I made a joke, like, you know, literally every finale, you know, Cochran's in the audience. I think he's, you know, and, and they, they always, cut to him at some point oh, during yeah. the show yeah. it's great I, it's like one of my favorites it's just like my favorite uh moments and i think they're gonna do it just to keep like the streak going like it's never yeah. it's never he has to be there at the end and they have to reference the fact that he's writing for a cbs show there's like, there, <laughs> i hope you're right yeah there there will be next year he'll be writing for you know some cbs comedy i guarantee it'll be something new he's not working on because now he's on what um what was some star trek or what is he doing yeah, he's on a Star Trek series uh, that's going to be on CBS All Access. I, I don't know how much is public, so I don't want to uh, oh, okay. you know, reveal any more than that. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible that it's all public. I just have no idea. Yeah. Um, and then one final thing. Rumors out there on the internet about, um, you know, they've always talked about for a, well, season 40 is coming up in next, a year from this February, or, you know, February 2020, spring of, spring of 2020, that... Um, you know, there, there's always been talk about what are we going to do for a, a big, you know, season 40 and then a, a 50. Like every 10 years, let's do something major. And there's rumors going on out there about, uh, you know, an all winter season and stuff like that. And um, what's your take on an all winter season? Because in the past, I know I've read, I know I've heard Jeff Probe say in the past, we can't do an all winter season because I don't think there's enough compelling winners to do it. I know he said that to Dalton. In his, yeah, in he his said that a year ago, actually. Like, we'd oh. never do it. I've, we've tried to make the cast. Uh, you know, it's just not there. Um, and I've seen, too, I've seen, you know, there's rumors online now that, that there is, in fact, a, an all-winter season that's, you know, filming right now. Yeah. Uh, if to be, to be uh, premiered in, like you said, in February of 2020. I mean, I love it. I can't wait. Like, as a fan of the show, to see some of these people come back, I am just... You know, and, and compete against each other. I, you know, I, I really always felt like Cambodia, this my second season, was the most strategically intense season they've ever had. And this could surpass it. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking about people who are some of the best gamers in the history of the show. And then there's also people who are on, you know, the, the alleged cast lists that I've seen who, uh, you know, have were not considered great gamers in their time and therefore have something to prove. You know, every single yeah. one of them shares the fact that they have one survivor, which is you know, pretty great accomplishments, more than I can say. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, again, it's a, it's a, it would be a season that we have never seen before. We have never seen, yes. there have been 39 previous seasons we have never seen where the whole cast is someone who has won. We've seen cast where, you know, they've done fans. We've seen cast where half the cast is favorites. We've seen cast of all returnees, but we've never seen a cast where every single person that you're watching has won this game before. And I think that's what makes it compelling. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And it's it's such a great idea for, like like you said, like a big 10-year season. Like this is the 20th anniversary of Survivor. Like do something really cool. with And, and you know, the last uh, season 20 on the 10-year anniversary 10 years ago was Heroes versus Villains, where they also went, you know, and got brought back some of these marquee players from the past and did colby donaldson from season two and you know that's where sort of boston rob came out of retirement right for season 20 and uh and now is you know such a, a big part of the of the franchise yeah i mean he was always a big part but this i felt like season 20 really kind of even though he didn't last even half the show really sort of 
reinvigorated his legacy. Yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting. And you know, like I said, there's rumors out there. People want to search. You could probably find you know the the alleged cast list that's out there for for season forty. That's that's beginning filming probably as we speak. Um, yeah, that's something that at forty, if they're doing that at forty, you wonder. I'm assuming this show will be around at fifty five more years. I would think. Yeah. Um, you, you know, what do they have in store for 50? Cause you know, it's going to be something major. They would do something to where, and, and, and frankly, it's almost like you could kind of say maybe at 50 is when this show ends, you know? Oh, I don't know. I like, why, why stop the, why, why stop? stop the but party? it's like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's a part of me that thinking like, can I see survivor season 64? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can. It just, we just don't know how the way where television is going. Uh, you know, I mean, that, you know, I think they think of it like a sporting event, basically. You know, it's like it's yeah, a new, yes. you know, it's it's um, Super Bowl. You know, it's a new competition every every. It's a new a new season every every year, and you know, why not keep doing it? You know, why not? Like it's it still wins its night, uh, right? It's, it's yeah. still going really strong. Um, you know, maybe the I, the only thing that I think would jeopardize that at all would be when when and if Jeff ever retired, and um. You know, I, I, he doesn't seem to have any sign of of doing that. Yeah. And uh, you know, may, maybe at that point, you know, Mark Burnett thinks like I don't want like a replacement, Jeff. You know, it's it just like could become corny, or or they get a great replacement. You know, I mean, Jonathan Lapaglia in uh, in Australian Survivors did an awesome job for anybody who watches Australian Survivors. <laughs> so maybe they maybe they ship him uh, ship him to america i mean there's been what, what has there been rumors for years that either colby was going to replace probst or who was the other one savage talk i mean of him, the, the but, boston rob parvati you know rob yeah. sister nino gets, gets thrown into the mix um colby now has a new show though the butcher yeah so, uh, i saw that's that exciting yeah, yeah i saw that that looks uh interesting at least yeah meat cutting reality show yeah. i mean we i mean it's like you you want to be surprised that there's a show about meat cutting but can you we <clears throat> Can you really be surprised about a reality show about meat cutting in 2019? We've seen every possible reality show out there. There's a reality <laughs> yeah. show about everything. Yeah. So, really, yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But, uh, again, Stephen, you're our resident survivor expert. We'll probably have yes. you on either before um, Island of the Idols starts and maybe we'll have you on at the end again to just do a little recap of it. But, again, you're the best at this. So, love having you on. Thanks again for doing it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm delighted to be uh you know, your reality, ex- your, your resident reality expert. So thanks, thanks again for including me. And I'm, you know, really, really appreciate it to everyone listening. You got it, man. Thanks a lot. Right, bye-bye. But thanks to Steven. Appreciate that. A lot of fun talking to that guy. You, you can't not listen to that guy and just kind of revel in his brilliance about this show. Um, he just, he's so well-spoken and he puts everything together so well that even if you disagree with him, he always makes a good point. And this season, as we know, was polarizing. It's just I think a lot of people are upset that somebody who literally played the game for 13 days out of 39 ends up winning. And I get it. I can see why people are upset at that. But if you break down those 13 days and you compare it to Gavin and Julie, gosh, I just don't see how you vote for Gavin and Julie over Chris. If Devins was in the final, sure, he would have won 13 nothing. He might have won 13 nothing if Chris was in the finals. If it was Chris Devin and Devins and Julie or Chris Devins and Gavin, I think Devins might still take every vote. He was that good this season, but he didn't win it. He had his fate in his own hands. 
He controlled his own destiny, and he couldn't beat the fire. He couldn't beat Chris in the fire making challenge, so he lost. So uh, it was tough. It was tough to see Devin's go. Uh, he definitely would have been the winner. And but again, I have no problem with Chris winning. If I was sitting there on the jury, he would have been my vote. I just couldn't bring myself to vote for Gavin or Julie. I understand they played the game. I understand Chris got to basically take naps for 28 days and didn't have to strategize, didn't have to worry about competing in challenges, wasn't you know full-on paranoia playing the game. I get it. I totally understand that part of it. I've never played the game, but I've talked to enough contestants. I've watched every season. I get it. But I vote based on resume, and he had a better resume than the other two, so I would have voted for him. Anyway, thanks again to Steven and to Jonathan Therese, the Tickle Monster, before him for coming on. So that'll do it for episode number 131 of the podcast. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. We will be back next week, of course, with another episode. So for Jonathan Therese, the Tickle Monster, for Steven Fishback, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. See you.